This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 181, Using Your Dreams for Personal Growth and Healing. If you have a natural curiosity about your dreams and you wish you could learn from them, today's episode is for you. Your dreams are not just random stories your subconscious mind puts together. They are the mirror of your thoughts, emotions, fear, and desires. And by bringing to light unresolved issue, past trauma, and unexpressed emotions, they provide an opportunity for introspection, self-reflection, personal growth, and healing. For today's episode, I'm sitting down with Carrie Hone. Carrie is a dream analyst, artist, and expert on the Eastern and Western archetype that inspire our dreams and oracles. Through her website, Cafe O Soul, she bridges the gap between an appreciation for nature and the spiritual journey. Her online I Ching is ranked number one in internet searches, and she is the author of seven books that include Dreams, Ancient Astrology, Tarot's Archetype, and Translation of the Tao Te Ching and I Ching. She has also developed apps that achieve new and noteworthy status in iTunes and recorded a Get Tribal music incorporating shamanic drumming with world chants to enhance yoga and meditation practices. If this episode helps you in any way, share it and help someone else on their journey. You can leave a review on iTunes for them to find the episode or the podcast in general or share your takeaways on social media. I always love to read your takeaways on the episode so take a screenshot of the episode and share something you've learned and make sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast all right if you are ready to look into your dream and hear one of my dream being analyzed by carrie let's get to today's episode hi carrie hi erica how are you i'm so well thank you so much for coming on the podcast today oh thank you thank you so much such a pleasure. Can we start for listeners that don't know you yet with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Okay. So I am best known as a dream analyst. I've been analyzing dreams for people all over the world for several decades, like five or so. And I created a website. This is back when a lot of people didn't think that their dreams had any relevance. Think, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever, to help people like understand their dreams for whatever reason. I was just born really kind of with that sort. I see it as a poetic awareness. I could understand the metaphor that we were exploring, you know, that personified us in our dreams. And then, you know, when I launched an app, when apps first came out, it did really well. It went to the top and I saw that it was the younger generation that was really starting to embrace their dreams. And then because of the work that I do with dreams, I've spent a lot of time studying archetypes. So archetypes from the Western world, which we would see in like tarot or mm -hmm. archetypes from the East, that would be like in the Yijing. And so I basically, you know, my website, Cafe A Soul, is a place where people, if they can't remember their dreams, they can use the oracles. When I'm working with somebody, I notice how the oracle reading and the dream are very similar. So there's some side of us that wants to express itself. And so I kind of just created that space for people to just go and self-help, you know, click and type your dream in a cloud and it will give you the interpretation or, you know, do an oracle reading. And, and I also am kind of a little bit scientific and I use a lot of nature's principles to understand the human journey. And I really see dreams as nature's uh, evolutionary mechanism. Hmm. That's so interesting. So 
Before we go even deeper, I feel like I have a silly question that I need to ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are dreams? Like what's happening when we're dreaming? Okay, so I feel like each of us, you know, has a unique path and we have an authenticity that can't really be validated by anybody around us, not even our parents. You know, again, nature, I feel, has designed us with sexual reproduction to take, you know, a DNA pattern that didn't exist before, that doesn't exist with our siblings. We're Mm. all, you know, basically unique. And yet we have to embark into a world where we're taught to be what we're expected to be or you know, we're constantly inhibited from tapping the potential that we were designed. Like each one of us is a celebration of a work of art for the future. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like because when we're dreaming aspects of consciousness, you know, we're still conscious, but parts of the brain that would have ego awareness or logic, this can't be possible or, you know, these things abate. And so we step into sort of a boundless world where everything's possible. And the most fascinating thing is we don't even know we're dreaming. We think it's real, but we have the opportunity to see ourselves in a mirror. Everything is really a mirror of what's going on in our inner world. And, you know, we can talk about that, you know, so I compare it to digestion because we're eating food. What's good for us stays in the body. What's not is eliminated. And then the same way, a lot of information is going through the brain. The ideas that support our unique, you know, potential are processed and allowed to come forth while anything that's self-destructive or inhibiting, that's where the dreams can get conflicted. And we, you know, we work through the challenges and we even get guidance on how to, you know, make the changes that allow us to go overcome any kind of obstacle. So to me, it's an evolutionary part of being a human Mm. or not just human. I mean, dogs dream, you know, lots of animals dream. It's an organ, you know, it's an organ of growth. That's so interesting to see it like that. So it allows us to release, to process like that idea of digestion. I love this image and Mm -hmm. to like continue to transform and grow in a way, just not in the same way that we do when we're awake. Right. In fact, you know, what always seemed odd to me is how people dismissed what was happening when we're dreaming as nonsense, when in reality, and I mean, I've been at this for a long time, you know, I've worked with people very much in depth with their dreams. And you can see that we're actually having a much more profound learning experience when we're dreaming, you know, as opposed to the daily lessons that we're learning on our life path. So it's nice to see people are finally embracing their dreams or seeing that there's some relevance to them. Because for the longest time, people dismissed me as some woo-woo lady from (laughs) California. (laughs) So then how... Do we use it as a profound learning experience, as you put it? Like, where do we go from, I have this dream, what do I do with it? Well, so if you remember your dream, you can, you know, go to my website or nowadays there's tons of websites out there, you know, and explore. Like, I think the reason, number one, we don't easily remember our dreams. And I would say probably by tomorrow, 80% of anybody listening will not remember their dream. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of us just don't. And there's a reason for that because I look at dreams like it's our right brain. It's more creative. It's more holistic. It's less limited. And it's very imagery driven. And as we're waking up, we go back into that language center, logic, Mm. left brain. And so, you know, and also if you think of whatever it is that we call ego or the face of our defense mechanisms, it shut this stuff down because it had a reason and it doesn't really want to remember. But that's why I created the oracles on my site because I found in working with people, they would bring a 
reading and then we'd look at their dream. It was uncanny how they were getting the same kind of guidance. So that is sort of more looking at life as a form of synchronicity that it's us having this experience. And when we are open to, you know, gaining information the same way that we would in our dream state, right? Like we are organically designed to be open in our dream state. If we can mm-hmm. bring that same openness to when we, you know, approach an oracle like the I Ching or Tarot or angel cards or whatever people use, you know, it could be in it, you know, just in what happened to you today can be a sign. You know what I mean? Like it could be everywhere. But some part of us wants to have expression. It wants to, you know, guide us to be more than maybe we would normally allow. So on one hand, if you work harder to remember your dreams, which is just to give them credibility, Mm -hmm. and then even asking before you go to sleep, please let me remember my dream, Mm -hmm. you know, have something there to capture it. And, you know, once you start working with it and see that it is so relevant, which brings me to another idea, the reason that people don't think the dream has any relevance is they don't realize that the dream is a mirror. So the house can represent, you know, how we compartmentalize life experience. The kitchen can be, you know, fulfillment. The bedrooms where we rise from our ideas. The living room can be where we're going out into the world, how we're showing ourselves in the front yard, what we're hiding away from the world in the backyard. You know, a car can represent motivation. Everything that we're seeing, even other people, are a mirror of us. And when you see the dream from that standpoint, then you start to see, ah, like, All the little adjectives and colors and dimensions, you know, you don't just skip over them. You start to see, so this is what I look like in my inner world. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot to deal with because on one hand, we want to stay out of our left brain, but then we have to use our left brain to look at all the symbolism and understand. But if we go too far in the left brain right away, we kind of lose some Mm -hmm. of the experience we'd had in the dream, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And so I always say like, right before you wake up, what is it that you can remember? And just remember one word. That's enough usually to untangle, you know, wow. your memory of the dream. And what I noticed too, is that there's a pattern of, you know, like we can consider in our dream life, we're working through something and it may be like, a rebirth. We're with an unknown child. That usually is a dream that's representing some new side of us that we're now starting to parent. And it may take like seven days or two weeks, but we'll have some kind of event happen on our path that will become initiation, that Mm -hmm. will become synchronistic or deja vu or something that when you're watching your dreams, you can see it happening, you know, on the path. And it's basically like you have the opportunity then to deny or accept this new perspective. You know, somebody may challenge you, you know, and it kind of helps us kind of transform and continue to grow because we, by our very nature, are organizers. That's why we're called organisms. (laughs) That's what organisms do. We're trying to make sense of all of this. So we're putting little labels and putting it Uh into little boxes. Mm -hmm. At some level, there's the idea that, you know, there's a lot of entropy and chaos in the world, not just, you know, what's going on with the news, but physicists will tell you that the world is moving towards entropy or whatever. And all these organisms are organizing that chaos into systems, mm-hmm. whether it's plants through photosynthesis or us through like, oh, we got to get this or so. Yeah, life can become complicated, but we've, I think, been designed to let go. Uh-huh. 
So if we look at the symbolism of things, like you were naming examples before, like your bedroom, your kitchen, your car, the front yard, the backyard, are those always the same symbols we can go back to? And then we like interpret what it could mean further through Mm -hmm. our like personal subjective lens of what's going on in our life. I consider a lot of the symbolism to be archetypes. I know we generally, we think of archetypes as like heroes of our, of our myths and whatever, but in a sense, you know, an archetype, it's like a structure for change or, you know, so in that sense, like, you know, the house or the transportation symbols, the transportation symbols will represent the condition of our motivation. Are we looking for a car? Are we lost? Are we stuck? Is the car out of control? Are we on a train, a boat? Are our emotions involved? And then where it gets more personal is with the adjectives, you know, with this, what makes it strange. In fact, when I'm doing dream work, I'm always looking for what is the thing that makes this unusual? Because that's where all the really good part of the story is hidden. What makes the dream unusual or us Mm -hmm. in that situation? When you're looking at the dream, you know, there's always some aspect that somebody would maybe want to dismiss because it was like, well, that was just that makes no sense. Of course, the cow is not going to jump over the moon or whatever, you know, (laughs) but whatever it is that's happening, if you look for the strangeness of it, that's where you really start to detect the message. You know, yeah, the house for everybody can represent the paradigm, but the kitchen had a strange kind of texture to the wall you know, or something about the utensils or the bed didn't have legs or, you know, when you start to see, well, what makes it unusual? That's where you start to get the real personal, you know, because a dream is really capturing how we've structured our version of reality. And for each of us, it's different. Uh huh. And I get such a kick because I've been doing this for so long that, you know, first of all, when I'm doing dream work with somebody, I always feel like there's a side of them that's like, oh my God, thank goodness. Now they can finally listen to what I've been trying to say. And, you know, and then you start seeing the painting that they've created and their own unique creativity, you know, like everybody's (laughs) so different. It's so sweet, you know, and I just like, I've never ceased to be amazed at how, you know, even people who would say, oh, I'm not creative. I'm not creative. Well, yeah, you are. That brings me to everybody dreams every night. And REM, rapid eye movement, sleep shows that we do. We just don't remember them. Mm-hmm. So if people don't remember them, but they want to start working with their dreams, you said that we can set an intention the night before and mm-hmm. we can have something to write them on or record ourselves when we wake up. Is there any other tool we can use to start to play with those dreams a little bit more? Well, like I said, you know, people will want to, tend to remember the whole dream. But if you just remember one small aspect of it, yeah, you know, later kind of bring it back. You know, there's people that are really into lucid dreaming and that's where you wake up in your dream. Or to me, that's kind of like counterintuitive to the whole process. Like we're not meant to bring our logic into the dreamscape, right? We're meant Mm -hmm. to like be enlightened by what we don't know. I mean, somebody else said this, but I've always loved it. Dreams understand the dreamer better than they know themselves. You know, like there Mm. is some higher wisdom. I don't know. You can call it God, the universe, the higher self. There's some aspect of us that has a better understanding of who we are. You know, I was just working with a client recently. We were talking about the idea of fear and awe, you know, and, and that to me is the great description for what we would call the numinous. 
And I don't know if you know what I mean about the numinous, but that time in life we were afraid, but we go. And then it's like, like mm. just falling in love can be like that. You know, the really meaty, juicy, wonderful things that re reaffirm our faith in life, you know, that we would call numinous. Well, I'm saying if we approach the idea that we can be enlightened by our dreams and bring that fear and awe, you know, to a place of open acceptance, we will remember our dreams. You know, if our defense mechanisms were basically designed to create a subconscious, to bury, you know, so it really takes kind of a fearlessness. I don't know if you're following what I'm saying. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where intention becomes, you know, so important. And so, yeah, I mean, people wonder why I have those oracles on my site, you know, and that brings me to the whole mandala of how people want to interpret their mm-hmm. life path, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a there's a million ways to sit down and compose through whatever method, an astrology chart or, yeah. you know, there's a million ways to glean information, but it's that willingness and wanting to know, you know, that we would be curious enough to explore. And why are we doing that? We're doing it because some part of us knows that this isn't it, you know? In fact, in my own life path, I was a buyer, a clothing buyer on Rodeo Drive. We had stores in Trump Towers. I was like traveling around the world, limos, fashion, runway shows. Mm-hmm. And I left that job because it was so not me. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought I was crazy. But, you know, and I actually had a dream. I had a dream that I was getting on the plane and I didn't have my makeup. In the dream, it seemed like I couldn't go because I didn't have my makeup. But <laughs> You know what I mean? You know where that's going, right? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and now I'm on my real path. So I always say like unhappiness is the hunger pain for change. You know, when we feel unhappy or when life feels conflicted or whatever, that's how life changes us. That's the good stuff. That's the, you know, vicissitudes that help us like reevaluate. And I don't think that we ever really arrive. I don't know. Do you? No, absolutely not. And so and with self-help, you know, personal growth, development, personal growth, yeah. exactly. You know, when we bring a sense of reverence, a sense of like being willing, like somebody gets the death card or the tower or something in a tarot reading and they think it's so bad. No, I don't think I mentioned nightmares, but nightmares are like a really positive sign that there's a quaking in the psyche. And that was power that could have been available to us, but somehow we decided made us too different or it wouldn't be accepted Mm. and we we pressed it down. And in the same way that we see these in nature, you know, a hurricane blows through or forest fires. Yeah, it looks bad, but nature's trying to renew itself and something's out of balance. And so in any reading or dream interpretation, you know, or even like I'm also an astrologer, when people you know, I don't believe there's anything bad in a chart. And in fact, when I look at charts that have way too much of the trines and sextiles, and there's not a lot of accomplishment that, you know, they rest on their laurels or, you know, it has to have a healthy balance of challenges. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that way of thinking of nightmares because we naturally put them in the, like, this is bad category because they feel intense, because they feel scary, because we don't understand what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. And normally when we have nightmares, our goal is to stop having them. Like I had trouble for a few years where I had recurrent nightmares and night terrors. And my goal was like, how do I stop this from happening? Like, how do I move forward? And I never considered that maybe this was an awakening. Maybe this Mm -hmm. was a powerful healing. Like, 
I was just like, this is a problem that needs to be fixed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's why they're repetitive. Mm-hmm. You know, if a dream is repetitive, then we're not getting it. And which brings mm-hmm. me to the idea of a lot of people think, well, if I'm not remembering my dreams, what good are they? <laughs> you know, we don't have to remember them. They're still changing us. You know, that's why like in a week, we might have a completely different outlet, you know, just because there is some factor at play. Almost what a third of our lives we've spent in this condition of transforming our opinions or defenses. So we're going to change anyway. So when somebody's having a series of nightmares, you know, they've reached a crescendo of where their fear and defense mechanisms have met the ultimate, uh uh, it's going to be broken open. You can't Mm -hmm. live like that, you know. And so even if they don't remember them, you know, there'll be a breakthrough. And that's why I do see sequences in dreams like, I'll see like, you know, people reaching a body of water, going to the seashore or swimming pool. A lot of times when they first start doing the dream work, they're opening to what's below the surface, what's in the unconscious, you know, that sort of thing. And then they'll have like these breakthrough dreams where, like I mentioned, the unknown child is an archetype that I see continuously when they start some kind of, you know, rebirth process, you know, and almost all the time it will be followed by what I call ego retaliation. So as I'm watching their psyche go through this like awakening, it seems like then it triggers kind of a mechanism where like something's made dirty sexual, something that was really beautiful and could have mm-hmm. been, you know, really nourishing. It can become, oh no, this is, you know, or it can become kind of a nightmare again to kind of scare us back into not changing. It depends on how ingrained that, you know, concept that may be self-inhibiting, how ingrained it is, you know, then they'll kind of work through that. So it's never like from one level to a higher level. It seems to go kind of sequentially through similar stuff. And a lot of times I'll see people dreaming of dogs with another kind of animal, you know, because animals can represent like I see dogs representing unconditional love, you know, as we might be in a relationship or exploring you know, whether we want to kind of open in that relationship and dogs kind of embody that. And maybe a cat would be a little bit more, what would you call a cat? <laughs> antisocial. Independent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah independent. Give you attitude. <laughs> exactly. Or an elephant, like they're said to have this incredible memory. And, you know, a lot of times the elephant could appear in a dream or bears, like sometimes people that will have a dream of an animal attacking them. That which you might call a nightmare, you know, it may have been sometime during the day they had some kind of response that seemed out of character. And so they are, you know, kind of like playing back on themselves as mm. like, does that make sense to yeah. kind of recognize or and sometimes when it draws blood, it's a way of like helping us, you know, recognize our feelings. I see. Yeah. I like that idea of sequencing because I think a lot of times when we think of dreams, we think of one dream at a time and like one night at a time. And we don't necessarily look at a bigger picture of like, this might be a part of a sequence. This might be part of an unfolding of a longer healing. And so when people come and work with you, they could just work on one dream, but you can work on a longer period of time is the way you were explaining it, right? Right. Can you walk us through like what doing dream work could look like with the support of someone like you? Well, you know, initially I was doing a very comprehensive process where somebody would do three weeks of comprehensive dream work. 
And we would look at maybe five to seven dreams a week. I do it all in written form because it's much easier for me to, you know, break it down, break the dream down. And then maybe in a different font color, I would, you know, be interpreting it. And that way they're learning how to interpret it themselves. Yes. And we go through that. And then I use the dream as a way of giving them exercises. Like the whole curriculum, let's say, is driven by the information that's coming out of the dream. Mm. And so then, you know, I ask them the questions that the dream is posing, you know, and so they kind of, you know, walk towards this awareness. And, you know, I've worked with people who had some really, really intense repressions, you know, and it took a long time to come to a place where they could not see themselves as deficient, you know, I mean, just to make it sound simple, but that can take a lot of time. And then lately in the last couple of years, people can either just buy one session or they can buy three sessions, but we look at just one dream. And then, like I said, I also include an oracle reading and that's where I got to start to see, wow, these are giving out the same message. You know, when I work with somebody, it's always different. You know, so depending on their needs, like I said, it might be somebody who wants to have relationships and they have a fear of intimacy. There's like so many children on this planet from work that I've, you know, I love it when you work with somebody and then they get married and have children. <laughs> so, And then other people, you know, I work with a lot of healers, you mm-hmm. know, that then can use this in their own work. Yeah. You know, use this process. So you mentioned a few times oracles and archetypes. What are some of the things that we need to know about those archetypes or like the way oracles or tarot works to understand our dreams better. If we're newer to that world, how do we use them to work on our dreams or understand or interpret our dreams? Well, as I was saying, they're very similar to dreams, you Uh know, because you sit down and you do, let's say a three card, what was the past, present and future, maybe a tarot reading. It may be that you're getting, you know, the empress and, you know, so there's, it, there's information there about creativity and empowerment. You don't have to ask necessarily a question that relates to your dream per se. It can be like a general, yeah, what you're learning just, right now. Exactly. Nice. So, because we don't necessarily ask anything of our dreams when we're having our dreams, right? Uh-huh. So you sort of approach the Oracle the same way. It's like, whatever's being revealed seems to embody, you know, and this is what I see a good example would be the difference between Chinese astrology and Western astrology. For example, I'm a water tiger in Chinese astrology. And when I look at my Western chart, I'm an Aries Gemini with a grand trine in water. Like they're saying the same thing, but one is in such a simple way, right? A water tiger. And one is like, you know, very complex. And the same thing's happening, you know, when you look at archetypes. In fact, I wrote a book, The Mythology of Sleep, because once I started working with the dream sequences, I wanted to understand like kind of what Carl Jung would have been, you know, fascinated with too, is where did these ideas come from? You know, like where was the first version of what became Pisces or where's the Uh first version of, you know, and even though I went around the world in eight chapters, you know, Greek mythology, Norse mythology, Chinese, Indian, you know, all these different mythologies, you could start to see the common thread, you know, you know, you still have, when you think of the chariot card in tarot, or the car that you're dreaming of in your dream, or the idea of army in the I Ching, they're all the same. So if you're having something going on in your life that involves making a decision about where you need to go, what I call motivation, 
is this, you know, a lot of times it shows up when we're making career changes or these kind of cards will show up in the reading or you'll get the hexagram for, you know, army. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so like it's kind of, saying the same yeah. thing in a different way. Exactly. So, you know, the other fascinating thing with dreams for me is because I know and have witnessed how dreams are a mirror, you know, it started to come back into the daily life experience to say, well, how much of what we're experiencing is our mirror? And in Taoism, which I do a lot of writing about nature and Taoism, there's the idea of the mysterious mirror. And the idea, like I think Confucius said, when you meet contention in another, you do well to examine yourself. And, you know, so it's really like the dreamscape that, you know, showed me kind of a philosophy that owning our condition in the things that we, you know, encounter mm-hmm. by day, right? Like, wouldn't it make sense that if dreams are showing us everything's our mirror, that that wouldn't be the case by day as well? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting stuff. So dream work then is really about understanding ourselves and our experience in a new perspective under a new lens. And this is how we step on transformation on, you know, the growth journey with our dreams. Yeah, because, you know, wouldn't you think, and maybe I'm wrong, but when you're working with a client and they're talking about a dream that they had, To me, there can be nothing closer to what the truth might be for them than something Mm -hmm. that organically came out of their own unconscious in this beautiful painting of a dream, you know, as opposed to looking at their like gene keys or life path on an astrology chart or, you know, like somebody else's version of what is, you know. So there's to me nothing more organic than understanding a dream to get a better sense of our capabilities. And finding the fearlessness to be who we were uniquely designed to be. Yeah. So I know you said that when you do dream work, you go back and forth in rhythm form. But can we do a quick example? If I tell you a dream and like, what would you pick out of this? Or what could we think about? Kind of just to show listeners, like, what's the train of thought? Where do you go with it? Sure. Okay. So I've had this very strange, which I'll pick this one because They're always it's very that interesting, way. <laughs> right? Everybody very interesting. <laughs> very strange dreams just a few days ago that really stuck with me. So I was in this house. That's not my house. I was in a bedroom and the sun was rising on my right-hand side through the window. And I was looking through like drawers and I found some drugs which was fentanyl patch. I don't have experience with fentanyl. That's not a thing I know really. And in my dream, I put it on my tongue and I just lay in bed and go into dreamland. It was like this inception (laughs) dream inside of dream kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this pattern repeats a few times. Like I wake up, like it's sunset and then it's sunrise again. And it just like repeats in the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then after a few rounds of this, I wake up in the morning thinking I need to reach out to a friend to admit that I have relapsed because in my life as a human, I'm sober. I'm not doing any uh-huh. alcohol or any drugs. And I've made that decision about eight years ago. So like in my dream, I'm like, okay, I need to call that person and confess that I'm now uh-huh. doing drugs again. And then I okay. actually woke up for real and I was in my bedroom and I was like, oh, this didn't actually happen because I'm not in the same room, right? I'm in a different (laughs) place. I was like, okay, this Mm -hmm. didn't actually happen. But then I was still feeling like almost the bliss of the experience and a little bit of the craving. Like I kind of wanted to go and do drugs Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, 
Okay, so this is exactly why I use the written form, because to you, it may sound like a simple dream, but there are so many elements that you just rattled off, right? So we start with the idea that it was an unfamiliar house, right? You didn't recognize that. Okay, so a lot of times we'll dream of like our childhood home, but there's some aspect of it that makes it different. So we know we're thinking of our ideas because I had mentioned that the house is like the paradigm. And so whatever it was that was in our family home in the dream, what part of it made it different? And that's really what becomes important. So you say that you were in an unknown house and then you were, you know, in the bedroom and I can't remember some of the other details that you mentioned, but So first of all, you're talking about you're entering a consciousness or you're opening, you're exploring a consciousness that's not your daily consciousness. You know this already because you're going into an unknown house. Then the bed really gets to the ideas that you rise from. So your beliefs, I see the bed, you know, and now you mentioned that the sun is rising. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you say it's on the right. And this is important because I noticed that things that are on the right side of a dream can represent the past, represent ideas that maybe people told us we should believe or, you know, conformity, where things that happen on the left seem to indicate where we're going, the new way, the road less traveled. So when you talk about the way the sun is rising and then setting and did the sun ever change position in the room or is it always on the right side? No, I mean, in the first loop, it's like, it's always on the right. It's going up or going down, basically. Okay, which is not really possible. No, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But that may say something about like, you know, your daily wake and sleep, right? Like what's Uh the daylight and the the night. Now, the whole idea of drugs in a dream or even alcohol, I don't see it as like, oh, we're doing something bad. Like even I've seen people dream of getting an injection, like somebody else gives them an injection and they start feeling woozy or something. But that's the idea of exploring intoxication. So the first thing that I'm getting from this dream is that whatever paradigm you're living by, maybe somehow is getting too routine and you're trying to widen mm-hmm. it again, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter that, you know, wherever you got the names of the symbolisms that appear, the effect is the same, you know? So it's like to say whatever, I don't even know what you mentioned some drug. I don't know what it is. Is it a psychedelic? It's like a pain killer that makes you oh. like very very relaxed or sleepy or you can mm-hmm. you know have some psychedelic responses okay. but it's not a psychedelic okay so that aspect was just that was your own mind's version of how you might get beyond your own paradigm now mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know what's going on in your life but that would be the question the dream is posing to you and that would be the question i would present back to you like yeah. in what way would you maybe be feeling like you're getting too defined or too repetitive or in a box now now the next piece you mentioned the the friend so other people in dreams will represent the side of us that we're exploring maybe there's a quality like what's an adjective that you would use to describe this person you were thinking of like they're what Uh, the person you wanted caring loving like they want to take care of me okay so you're looking at your own self-care. So this, you know, and I know this sounds like a stretch, but it could be that you want to follow a path that you're worried might not fulfill you from like a monetary perspective, Uh you know, like, because if you're dreaming of somebody as you that would care for you and you need to come clean with them that you did this thing, (laughs) you know, right. You might be too protective of yourself. Is that, are you following me on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's super interesting. And that's why I wanted us to have a little bit of that conversation for people (laughs) to kind of 
see how they see. can start to play with it, you know, exactly. have like an example of it. So that's the thing is like you would wake up and then think, well, should I call that person? No, because uh-huh. it really didn't have to do with them. Do it, it had with to them. do with what they represent in your life. And maybe you're going to adopt the quality or maybe you need to discard the quality. You know, and again, like I think the fact that the sun is rising and setting on the right side is another symbol because that's the other thing I see in dreams is it will tell the same story over and over in different patterns. Uh-huh. So we see, you know, the unknown house. Okay, you need to go into a different mindset, the bed, change your ideas, the drug. I need to be uninhibited. I need to like expand my consciousness. Then, you know, the sun is rising and setting, rising and setting. And maybe in the dream, you had a sense that you were wasting your life because that was happening. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't remember that. I remember being like very blissful, very happy about that choice. Like there was no shame, or there was no Uh regret. It was pure bliss. Okay. So then maybe that was the message is that it really doesn't matter what's going on out there, you know, Uh that you can, you know, find this bliss just in maybe giving yourself permission to not follow the path. Because I really think that having the sun doing all that stuff on your right side brings up the idea of something that maybe we were taught as a child or whatever. You know what I mean? Like something that's the old way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. Thank you for doing this little exercise with me, (laughs) just so people can kind of see how you think about it, basically, right? Because it's something to talk about it. But like, if they've never thought about their dream in this way, like to hear someone think about a particular example, I think is super helpful. Yeah. You know, like I said, if it was written down, I would find even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Lots of adjectives that we tend to just skip over the color of something Uh and have meaning. And Yes. Yes. That's lovely. And I feel like we can talk for a long time, but we'll start to wrap it up. (laughs) Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish? If there's like one takeaways about the dreams, the archetypes or the oracles that you would like people to leave with this conversation? What that would that be? Well, like I said, you know, I wish that more people remembered their dreams. I wish we could get to a place where, and I believe we will, you know, where it was easier for us to remember our dreams. They are so relevant. But again, I think there's other ways that we can kind of access that information. But I will promise you this. If you start doing dream work, if you really start to pay attention to your dreams, your life will get filled with so much synchronicity. Your ears will be spinning around (laughs) like when you are. And I call it the 24 hour mind because we tend to think, oh, this part of our day is relevant. That part is nonsense, you know, and when we take away the boundary and think it's the same mind, you know, and it's having a really, really great experience when we're sleeping, you know, and then it's like if you blend them together. And you can start sort of be in that like a perpetual freedom to be malleable. You know, I don't want to be defined yet. I want to just keep, you know, exploring what else might be out there. And maybe that's why I do music and I do so much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that. So it's about being intentional, trying to remember our dreams and then embracing that part of our experience so we can transform and continue to grow and heal. Right. I actually did an album. I have two albums. I record music as Get Tribal and they're really for meditation and yoga and actually God of Drum by Get Tribal. That's my work. And I basically designed the tracks to sort of go through the chakras from root to the crown, even to, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's another way that you could sort of like 
unloosen a lot of the, <laughs> you know, you're a yoga teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I designed the music specifically work with the chakra centers. So what, by the time you get, you know, to the crown and there's like a lot of energy that's released. Yeah. And, and you're ready know. to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or ready to like let go. Yeah. You know, I did it for like a release or mm-hmm. anyway. Beautiful. So I'll put all your information in the show notes. But in the meantime, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to see all of that you offer, all that you have, or they want to work with you in some way? Cafe Asol. So Cafe, C-A-F-E-A-U-S-O-U-L. Cafe Asol is my website. And you can find, I have a nature channel that you can find on YouTube, Nature's Inspiration, blogs, you know, Dream Dictionary, oracles, all the things that you need. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode of the podcast in general on iTunes. If this episode has helped you in any way, you can pass it on and help someone else by leaving your review. Plus, when you leave a review to say thank you, I will give you access to our premium podcast membership for free for a full month. All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review and we'll get you all set up. Find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 181. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And of course, that includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next Monday.